Welcome to We Talk About Movies. I'm Kevin. And I'm Riss. And this is episode 7, which is the first of two episodes this week. We watched the original Guardians of the Galaxy, which is one of our favorite superhero movies, as you may have heard from episode 1. Don't forget to be our best friend and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Now, let's talk about Guardians of the Galaxy. So by the time you are listening to this podcast, my 32nd birthday will have already passed. And my wife has been so nice to decide to take me to a movie for my birthday. <laughs> yes. So we have a babysitter lined up and we are going to watch Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 this upcoming weekend, which we will have already done probably by the time you listen to this, but that also meant we thought it was time to rewatch Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 and do a podcast on it. So here we are. We actually own that movie cuz we liked it so much. Yeah. We- I probably made you buy it, but <laughs> still. You you really like this movie. I like it too. I I do like it a lot. Um but this is like one of your favorites. You love this movie. Well, I mean, I yeah, I love this movie. I think there's a lot of good stuff to it as far as just a entertaining action type movie. Yeah. It's I great. mean, there's not a lot of deep, you know, <laughs> uh, themes or anything like that, but. It's definitely entertaining. There, There is no question about that. If you're looking to have a good time. Yeah. Phenomenal movie. It's amazing. Agreed. So, I mean, you, you I was love this movie, that- Ruth. Tell me, tell me some of the reasons you love it. Well, actually, at first I was going to say, I thought you were going to, I thought there was a butt coming <laughs> when you said, you yeah. love this movie. And I, I like it too. I was like, uh oh, here comes the butt. <laughs> well, the, yeah, there is a butt. Um, <laughs> I'm sitting on my butt. No, um, there is a butt. Lame. And yeah, that was a bad one. I'm a dad. That, that was a bad joke. <laughs> um, I, and watching this movie, this is, We've watched it quite a few times, but this is the first time since we started our podcast. And so I'm kind of looking at movies a little bit more critically now and and trying to look at the plot even more closely than I used to. Mm -hmm. And I did see some things that uh, some things I had noticed before and a couple that I hadn't noticed um, that we can talk about. But let's start off with the good stuff. What's your favorite thing about Guardians of the Galaxy? Well, I think part of it is because when that movie came out and we saw the previews for it, we thought this is going to be terrible. We did. So I went in with really low expectations when we went to see it. Like I'm surprised that we even paid money to go see it. Cause we both were saying that looks well. Awful. If you remember the second trailer was not as bad as the first trailer. I think that's well, why we decided to see it. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, back before we had kids, we would just go see every movie pretty much regardless. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but it was so much better than what I expected. I think because there's just so many funny parts to it. There's so many funny one liners. I think that the storyline is interesting. And also too, because eventually it's going to intersect with the different Marvel movies that, uh, have been made, meaning, Thor and uh, the Avengers and everybody else. Yeah. So 
yeah, I mean, like I said, there's there's a lot of action. There's good music in it. Yep, the music is, uh, is great. Again, it's just, and I think it too is so much funnier than I expected it to be when I first saw it. And it's just a, yeah, it's a lighthearted film that you can just kick back and watch. I think the very, f- not the very first scene, the first scene is where his mother dies and that's sad. And I hate that he doesn't grab her hand. I'm like, kid, yeah. grab your mom's hand. Come on, do it, do it, do it. And he doesn't. It's very frustrating. <laughs> and then at the end, he like grabs Gamora's, Gamora's hand and um, that kind of signifies... I should have done this before. Now, now I'm doing it. Now I have a second chance. But mm-hmm. it's so sad that his mom is dying and he doesn't just grab her hand. Oh, it kills me. Well, I mean, he's a young kid and he's angry. And yeah, I know. I'm I'm not saying that's a problem. Oh, with the I know. Movie. I know. Just, it hurts me to watch him not grab it. Just just grab her hand. That's your mom. Yeah, it is sad. And I, I honestly, the first thing I think I thought of this time watching this movie was so right after the mom dies he gets picked up by the bounty hunter um the yandu yeah and uh is taken away and uh, this was the first moment i thought his poor grandparents they were supposed to raise him and he just disappears they don't ever know that he was abducted. <laughs> yeah, that he's still alive. Right. You're, that that maybe we watched Lion recently, and maybe that's maybe what's that's making why. you think of it. Probably, because I'd never thought about that. I just, you know, thought, oh, okay, cool. They now got him, and space. now he's in awesome. space. That's fun. Not really, because <laughs> yeah. his poor family back on Earth, the, the mom dies. They're dealing with that tragedy. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, your child we were supposed to take care of vanished right after your death. Yeah, and so number so one, if, sad. if you don't, if you're not familiar with Lion, it's a movie. Um, we'll have a podcast on that one eventually. That um, a kid basically disappears from his family in India, and then as an a, gets adopted out, and as an adult tries to find his original family. Um, so that's that's where that parallel comes in. Um, but I'll tell you what really was a bit. I won't necessarily call it a plot hole. In that very first scene, but hmm. when a, when the mom dies, not a single that room is filled with adults, and not a single adult takes it upon themselves to console the child and make sure the child is okay. And then the kid, like the the grandpa, says, "Get out of here." Well, he says, "Wait here." Yeah, he takes him out of the room and says, "Wait here." This the kid is the one that needs. She's dead now. Now it's there's that's a sack of flesh. You got to take well, care of the living and to leave the kid alone. That's yes, but to be fair, I mean, a doctor did run in, so maybe they tried to revive her. Possibly, I don't know. But uh, somebody it seemed like they were just waiting for her to die. Yeah, somebody has got to take care of that kid. And Agreed. I mean, but that's such a small, minor thing. That, I know. You know. Yeah, and so then he gets abducted, and then the the very next scene is when he lands on the abandoned planet morag and so it starts off kind of dark and foreboding and he's wearing the mask and it looks like just this serious space movie and then all of a sudden the music kicks in and he's dancing and he's kicking these rats and grabbing them and making a microphone out of them (laughs) yeah and it totally just sets the tone for the whole movie that 
it's a serious movie, but it's a funny movie. It's lighthearted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that they chose Chris Pratt for this. And he wasn't film. a big movie star. No, he this wasn't. is what launched his career. Because before that, his biggest project was Parks and Rec. Yeah, the, and you've seen all show. of those. I know I you love, love that, that show. show. Yeah. If you haven't watched that show, you should. I love that show. Um, but yeah, I think that they cast him really well. And I know they probably were thinking we're taking a chance with him, but certainly a chance that paid off because. Yeah. Well, they took a chance. Even, you know, his Parks and Rec character is this overweight, you know, just. Right. Tubelard kind of a guy. And they, they he had, had to, to get in shape. He had to lose this. like 50 pounds for yeah, the movie or he something. Did. Um, and so they took a, a chance on that, that he could even actually do that. Well, you know, with enough money, you can accomplish that. Yeah, time and money. Um, I'm like, you can hire a personal trainer and a chef. and Right. Man, it certainly becomes easier. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, that's that's one of my favorite parts of the movie is just that first scene that sets the tone. I think it's uh, it's funny, the dialogue between him and that the guy when he says, you might know me by another name, mm-hmm. Star-Lord. Who? But yeah, I like that scene too because he's like, "Quit poking me, Ninja Turtle." Yeah, that is funny, <laughs> and it's nice when you can like go back and watch it and listen for the one-liners you missed. Yeah, yeah. Um, so starting with that scene, though, one thing that's not explained and it's not necessarily a plot hole, but it's very odd to me. You've got an Infinity Stone sitting on an abandoned planet. Yeah. And, you know, apparently it's worth 4 billion units, which I'm assuming is like $4 billion or, you know, some crazy amount of money. Yeah. And Chris Pratt shows up and Yandu is coming behind him. And then Ronan's people find it already. Like, how was this just sitting there? Just sitting there. And then all of a sudden, everyone knows about it and gets there at the same time. And then it well, does... Well, to be fair, Chris Pratt only knew about it because of Yondu. Right. So really, it's just two different parties, but yes. Yeah. And then while I love that first scene, the dancing and everything... You'd be like, hurry up and get it. Yeah, that's... You know the, other people... Yeah, are, you're like... Well, Yondu's... Yeah, Yondu's coming behind you. You don't have time to dance and play around. So that was... Um, but I liked the scene, so it didn't bother me. Um, another thing I noticed oh, for the first time watching it now... Um, I was paying close attention to what child uh, Peter Quill was wearing when his mom died. And the female friend of Peter Quill, when he finally gets out with the the orb, she's wearing the same t-shirt that he was wearing in the hospital when he was abducted. Well, it was obvious she, she stayed the night. Yeah. So... (laughs) <laughs> so I thought that was kind of a neat little... I had not noticed that. I'm impressed that you did. And yeah. usually I pick up on weird stuff like that. Yeah. So just kind of going through chronologically, what really... I wish it were explained a little bit better because as soon as Yondu and Star-Lord have the conversation and Star-Lord says, look, I'm stealing this from you, tough cookies, Yondu knows where he's going. Yondu set up the deal with the broker. So yes. Yandu knows I knew you were going to break this up. He's but... going to the broker and like maybe Yandu can't get there fast enough. Yes, because Peter had already been gone for a while. So he puts out the bounty, but like doesn't he have, is every single one of his friends with him on a ship? Like doesn't he the have Ravenger? someone on 
Is it Zandu, Yandu? No, Xandar is where he was going. Doesn't he have a friend on Xandar that can like be on watch at the broker's shop and take care of that issue? I don't think his army is that extensive. He doesn't have a single... It doesn't even have to be an army. It could just be like a friend who needs a side That's job That's why he or put something. a bounty on him. Uh, yeah, but a bounty is just any person that you can't necessarily trust. I mean, I... Sure, but they want the money, so he knows that there's going to be people... On Xandar, I'm sure, that are looking to earn a bounty, like Rocket. Yeah. Well... Which is exactly what and, happened. And Yandu ends up at the Yandu. broker... Yandu. Ends up with at the broker's shop later. So, I guess he couldn't get there fast enough, but... Yeah. I don't know. It just seemed like they're... Space travel takes time. I know it does. <laughs> uh, presumably. They don't, uh, you know... No, they don't address that. But I, I, obviously, Peter had a head start. That's the whole point. Yeah. So it is plausible that he could get in and do the deal really quickly before Yondu ever caught up with him. Right. Anyways, moving on, um, one of another one of my favorite parts, and I haven't actually seen this movie, but when uh, Peter Quill is telling Gamora about Footloose. Oh, yeah. Imagine, I have seen that movie, and I am not a I know. Fan. You tell me it's really bad, but I feel like it's a movie that I probably need to see because yeah, there's so many cultural references to it. Which so, is so funny because it's such a staple, apparently. I know. That's what I'm saying. I feel like I need to watch it. Not, right. Not because it's maybe it's a good movie, maybe it's not, but just to understand when it's referenced in other media. No, I agree. And I would watch it again with you. Just maybe I, because I remember I watched it when I was at home sick and I had nothing else to do. And there was nothing on TV, of course. So I think it happened to be on Netflix. So I was like, oh, I've never seen this. I should just watch it. And my initial impression was that was so boring. But I don't know. Maybe if I watch it again when I'm not coughing up a lung, maybe I'll like it more. I don't know. But from what I remember, I was not a huge fan. We'll have to watch Footloose one day. Yeah, we'll get to that. And I, I feel like it's a long movie, too, if I remember correctly, but... Uh, moving on in this movie, the biggest plot hole that I saw, and this is one that I, you think you saw. Let's see. No, this is this is a real one, and this is <laughs> I this I saw the very first time we saw the movie, and it it boggled my mind. Apparently, when they go and they're talking about Footloose and everything, they're on some like celestial being skull. Yeah, which that's interesting. I, you nowhere. know, I just. I wasn't paying that much of an attention. I just thought it was a little planet, but apparently it's a, it's no, a it's skull. No, it's a severed head. Kind of interesting. But she says there's no rules here. This is a planet of outlaws completely. Mm-hmm. Right? So everyone there is an outlaw. And then when the fight starts between Groot and Rocket and uh, Drax, and then Gamora and Star-Lord go to break it up, they're in a huge crowded bar. With surrounded by outlaws, and Peter Quill yells at the top of his lungs, four billion units. You're gonna be, you know, imagine going into a bar, like a biker bar with a whole bunch of outlaws and just screaming, I'm about to have four billion dollars in my pocket. Like, you can't do that. Everyone is going to fight you. To steal all of that money from you. You can't just scream you're going to be like the richest person on the planet in a room full of outlaws. But the thing is, it's not that every person in that bar is an outlaw. 
Every person on that in that skull has to be an outlaw. That's what Gamora said. She said, "No, she's just saying that there's no rules, so watch your back." I mean, there's people that live there. There were children there, so it's not like every person there is a thief and an outlaw. I they, mean, no, people they, go they there are by for, definition outlaws because well, everything okay. is black market. Okay, but not everybody is a gung ho. I'm going to kill everybody kind of outlaw. Okay, but still there. are... No, and I'm not saying you're you, you wrong exactly, a, but you can't be in a bar where they're having animal. And also, fights. they don't know what you have that's worth four billion units. I'm not saying they would have tried to steal the orb. I'm saying they would have put a gun to their head and said, "All right, get the four billion units and give it to me," or or something like that. Well, but they can't because they don't have it yet. Yeah. So the- unless they somehow follow them out of the bar after they get it, which maybe they wouldn't even go back through the bar at, at that point. I just, I can't imagine a world where you're in a bar full of outlaws and you scream you're about to be the richest person in the universe. I mean, more other people are trading their substantial sums of money. So they're not the only ones. Yeah, but I'm, I'm under the impression that 4 billion units is outrageous because rocket said 40,000 units we're going to be rich right so if 40,000 makes you rich then 4 billion is just completely absurd yes so uh, that to me but again they don't have it yet nobody knows what they're trade like they could be trading knowledge nobody knows it, it, so it yeah it it's probably not the have. smartest thing but here's the other thing they're obviously very well equipped to beat the snot out of each other and have all these weapons, you really want to go steal from them? For 4 billion units, I do, yes. You're going to try, even though you'll probably get killed. Because they're already trying to kill their friends. I'm an you, their quote-unquote friends. I'm an outlaw. Of course I will. No, I don't think you'd necessarily For would just jump in. billion units. Yeah, okay, but is your life more important than 4 billion units? Some people shoot people for a pair of tennis shoes. Agreed, but you're we're talking you're talking about somebody risking their own life for it. You risk your own when you shoot someone you risk your own life because you could go to jail and get the death penalty. Right, but we're talking about a place with no laws. Exactly. Okay, but that means that the other person that you're trying to kill that has already proven they're fully capable of beating the tar out of other people and have all these crazy weapons, you're like, yep, that's the person I want to go up against I'm not and saying, take a risk. I'm not saying that it's necessarily a good idea, I, but you can't just expect to yell... Like, would you go... No, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, but I'm just saying... Would it's... you Would you go find a, a crazy, tough biker bar in downtown Dallas and go in there and just yell, no. I have $10,000, or I'm going to have $10,000 in my pocket in 10 minutes and expect that you're... that no one's going to try? And... No, but I'm not a mechanically altered assassin. Or a huge, giant, whatever Drax is, just massive dude. Okay, but I I am willing to bet that the biggest, toughest biker would not be willing to go into a biker bar full of strangers he doesn't... I mean, obviously, if his gang's there, he would do it. But full of strangers he doesn't know and scream out, I'm, I have 10 grand in my pocket. It would just be stupid. They don't have it in their pocket. Or I will have 10 grand in my pocket in 10 minutes. They didn't say 10 minutes. Well... 
Okay. Those are, he said, suck it up for one lousy the, night. So you don't know when they're getting paid exactly. That's the minutia that's not important. <laughs> okay. Well, let's move on. One other thing that I read recently, you know, when Star-Lord goes out to save Gamora when she's like out in space? Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I think I saw it today. Um, you know, there's a myth that like the human body can't survive in a vacuum like at all. Like it would immediately just die. No, it takes. Well, I read something today that the human body can actually survive for like, they think like three minutes in the vacuum before you would actually die. You go into shock and obviously you can't breathe and things like that. But, um, just want everyone to know that is actually, according to what I just read, potentially factual that he survived that time out. Well, he's also only half human. Well, that's true. Um, another one of my favorite parts of the movie is when they have 12% of a plan (laughs) and we do this all the time. We, uh, reenact the, the fake laugh and the, um, I feel like once a week or so I'll be telling Ruth, it was real. And it doesn't even have to be a laugh at, you know. Yes. We quote that line a lot. And I know we do that with our niece, Aaliyah. Yeah. Cause she loves this movie too. She, yeah. And when she, she saw it with us for the first time, I think was yeah. when she came to stay with us. And uh, ever, ever since we watched it after that every day, yeah, she would join in with that, that part. We'll find some place that that fits <laughs> it in was conversation. Real. Yeah. It's, it's fun. This movie does have a lot of quotable lines and, and it's great for, you know, teenagers or, or older kids there's actually, yeah there's cursing yeah in there's it, quite, so. a, quite a bit of cursing in this movie you know mm-hmm. not terrible words no there's um, no f-bombs or anything yeah. but uh which pg-13 movies do get one f-bomb if they want to use it and they don't well, use it he, here well, he says he, oh f- yeah. mm-hmm, with the yeah father sound yes but there there are no f-bombs in the movie no they're not but I, what I love about that speech is the end of it. It's just so real. It feels like you've built up all of these characters and their responses in that time. There's a mixture of heartfelt, like Rocket says, you're, you're asking us to die. And it's very real and emotional. And then they start standing up. And at the end, Rocket is my favorite where he goes, all right, now I'm standing. We're all a bunch of donkey donkeys mm-hmm. standing yes. in standing in a circle. And that to me, like that character, that's exactly what he would say. Like, okay, he was serious for a minute, but now he goes back to being sarcastic and well, just, that's I, more realistic. Cause when you watch superhero movies, you're kind of like, wow, this is a little over the top. Right. And that's one of those moments where it'd be like this total buildup with the music and yeah. all that. And you're and just kind of like, like, okay, we're gonna yeah. save the world we're against yeah. all odds and all hands in. Yeah. And in and this movie, Rocket's, Rockets like, are... we're all a bunch of donkeys. So stupid. And, um, <laughs> so that's what, that, that's the charm of this movie. That's what, uh, just one example of what I really love about it. Um, we, we talked about the music earlier and almost all of the music is great. But when they're they're kind of putting cherry their plan bomb. together, that cherry bomb song, oh, yeah, I'm like, am, pick something else, please. I'm not a big fan of that song, and for that to be the build up to the big battle, I know it was. I was a little disappointed, but you know, I bet there's a lot of people that love that song. I'm just not a fan of it. Um, I was, yeah, that was sad because all the other music is good. 
I read something about the director, James Gunn. He's a big music guy. And so um, I'm excited to see the soundtrack for the next movie, Volume 2, because he couldn't get a lot of really popular music because, you know, no one knew it was going to be such a big hit, such a great movie. So when he goes and asks, hey, can I put your song in my movie? And, you know, they have to pay some kind of royalties for it. He could only get, you know, he was limited with the first movie. Well, in this one, now if you're an artist or a record label, you're like, yeah, I mean, I'll give it to you for free. I mean, they probably don't do that, but the exposure I'm going to get right. from being in your movie is so incredible. Well, but they're, the point is they're playing oldies because right. he was, because Star Lord was born but, but in 19, or not born, I'm sorry, was a child in yeah. 1988. But this movie has a, some obscure songs. I mean, they're not obscure, but they're not super like obscure. popular. Just all the oldies songs. I will put a link. I'm going to find the article about this and put a link in the description of the podcast. Uh, if anyone wants to read it, I'll share it with you. Also, Ruth. Okay. Cause I didn't think they were, I knew every single one of them. I, I can't say I knew. I mean, you're kind of vaguely familiar with a lot of, at least for me. But they're not songs I could sing along with in most cases. I could, at least to the chorus. Not necessarily every verse. Okay. But I guess, to be fair, like that's what I listened to with my dad growing up. Okay. Because when we would ride to school together every day, we would listen to an oldies station. Yeah. So maybe that's why I'm more familiar with it than you. But to me, I thought, I know every single one of these songs. And I can at least sing the tagline or the chorus. Oh, Okay. I didn't like the Cherry Bomb song. I didn't really know it until this movie, but I'm just listening yeah. to it in the movie. I don't like it. Oh, I knew it, but the only part I know is Cherry Bomb when they sing Cherry but I know that song. Okay. But that's funny. Interesting. So the last, we're getting towards the end of the movie. Yandu and Quill, the part of the plan was Rocket's going to shoot the hole in the ship and then they're going to fly into it. Why? Why don't Quill and Yondu just shoot the hole and then fly through it? Because in the movie, Rocket and a few other, like two other ships are sitting there shooting the hole and they they do it. They're in. Except Quill and Yondu are like two minutes away from flying through the hole. Like, why aren't they just there helping to shoot it? And as soon as the hole opens, they fly right through. Give me something, Ruth. (laughs) I'm thinking maybe because... I mean, it takes, maybe they just happened to get there first. But that was the plan. The plan was never Quill and Yandu shoot the hole and fly through it. It was someone well, else shoot the that, hole open for them. Maybe that's why they weren't just there right away. But th- that's what I'm saying. Why? That was a stupid plan. Why wouldn't you just. Make, You're stupid. Why wouldn't you just make <laughs> the plan that Quill and Yandu shoot the hole? I mean, Rocket can be there too. Sure. You can have other people helping, but. Why wait? I don't. That doesn't make sense to me. I don't know. Okay, I got one. Mm, for now, I'll have to think, mull it over for a little bit. So, let me ask you a question. We're gonna play a little game. Rank the five superheroes, right? So you've got Star Lord movie. Yeah, Star Lord, Gamora, Rocket, Groot, and Drax. From as far as let's say you have a mission. And you can only pick one of them who's going to be the most helpful, powerful, whatever. How would you rank them most powerful to least? Go. 
Well, but doesn't it depend on the mission? It does, but I'm. you need physical help. You need someone to be your muscle. Who do you want? If you're just talking about muscle, you would probably say Drax. Okay, so you say Drax first, then, then what? And And muscle being like... Peter Quill can shoot someone, so that's muscle too, right? It doesn't. I'm not saying like who can bench press oh. the most. I'm saying okay, that's such a vague question. Well, I mean, I give, I know what you're trying to ask. Give a vague answer. I would say Gamora first, then. Okay. Because she's biomechanically designed. I mean, you saw when Nebula gets shot with a big, huge gun. Yeah. She just twists her arms and bones back together so i'm sure gamora does the same so she's very hard to kill okay so i would say she's probably the most valuable i guess okay but then i i don't know because they have different different strengths yeah because rocket can basically figure his way out of anything yeah and is a huge tech guy. Right. Which is a necessity in this futuristic... Uh, yeah, it definitely is. So to me... Yeah, I, I, mean, here's, I don't know. Here's That's what I'm too getting hard at. to just... Here's what I'm getting at. I think I felt like Gamora and Drax were... And I don't know. I've never read a Guardians of the Galaxy comic book or anything like that. But I feel like they were under... Um, what's the word I want? They were not as dangerous or powerful as I thought they should be. The way they were portrayed in the movie? Like, how many times was Gamora... She was held by a bunch of common guys. Like, in the in the uh, jail, it was like a group of four just random criminals were yeah. holding her. And then when she was on the ship, when her and Quill had been captured, there was, you know, two or three guys just holding her there. And I felt like... Well, and to be fair, it was a ship full of guys, so well, she know. probably knows, like, okay, I can't. But I was like, this is Gamora, and I'm assuming she's this super powerful thing. Well, yeah, because then you see her in the scene where they have to get out of the prison, and she's taking out everybody. Yeah, and she's, like, jumping from one spot to another. So I felt like, and especially with her being the only female person, like... I wanted her to be super strong and it almost seemed like they kind of made her a damsel in distress a couple of times. And yeah. I felt like that. I didn't notice that, her. but yeah, I agree. Uh, it was not something I picked up on because uh, like I just said, she was kind of the one I would think would yeah. be my top choice, but yeah, it is interesting that they would portray her that way. But so I just, I thought she was going to be stronger, more powerful than she was portrayed. And mm -hmm. I, hopefully they do better in the next movie of showing what she can do. Cause I didn't really see a whole lot of superpower from her. She seemed, honestly, as I was watching her, I was thinking she's kind of like Daredevil, like doesn't really have a superpower. She's just kind of a good fighter. Like that's all I was really getting from her aside from. Like when she jumped from one place to the other, that was obviously superhuman jumping ability, but that was the only thing I really saw from her. Well, and like they say, she was altered yeah. to be a weapon. But, so I, but I didn't see how that manifested right. itself. No, you see it in her sister. Yeah. And then Drax, he was obviously strong. And, and from the, when you first meet him, like the other prisoners are scared of him. So he has this reputation of being so powerful and strong. 
But I didn't see, like, he got manhandled by Ronan. Like, yes, that one I will agree with. And I thought the same thing about him. I thought, why is he really part of this group? Because he doesn't. Yeah, what does he bring to the table? Like, what you compare? He's strong. Drax to um, Groot. Groot just took that whole hallway full of guys, twenty of them, and just boom, 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 knocked them all, killed them all. Drax just doesn't seem like I don't know. He's not terrible. I assume he's supposed to be more powerful than I yeah. felt like he was portrayed in the movie. I agree, and it, maybe it's just because Ronan has some kind of special. <clears throat> powers or was so much stronger than he was i don't know but yeah yeah, i thought the same thing i'm like drax the destroyer because he was known for killing ronan's thugs yeah but then when he actually faces him he it's like watching a full-grown man fight an infant right (laughs) there was just there was no yeah so yeah i those I don't, maybe it was supposed to be that way, but I don't think it was, especially for Gamora. That's the one that I really want to see her her abilities. I want to see how strong she is and what she can do in this next movie. Okay, the last thing I have, I think Groot's true superpower, well, baby Groot's true superpower is dancing. Oh, yeah? I love that scene at the end. I know you do. You were attempting to dance. I was chair dancing. You were trying. I was like, you're doing something. I don't know if it's dancing. I was laying in my recliner and I was trying to move my arms like baby Groot did. Only not as graceful. Not as graceful. Uh, not nearly as baby as Groot cute. is in the next movie. I know. Well, yes. Older than. Well, yeah, he's twig not, a, he's Groot. not a potted plant anymore. Yeah. <laughs> he, he has legs and is running around, but he's still baby. But which is funny because even full grown Groot mentally is very childish right like well supposedly yeah i mean you see it you see it in the movie um he doesn't listen well he you know we're gonna need that thing so he just goes and gets it instead of listening to the full plan like right Right. like yeah so i think it's just more he's more simple-minded right i guess and uh, one thing i'm not sure if i read this right or not i think guardians 2 kind of just takes place right at after guardians one like even though it's been years in in real life yeah um i don't think there's really any time lapse it'll be interesting to see if that's true or not when we see the next one well and i'm interested to see who the villain is going to be since yeah you know that the so this for those people that may not know the infinity stones that whole thing they're setting up with all of these infinity stones is what is going to bring all these Marvel universes together eventually for one big epic film. Correct. It's the Avengers infinity war. So that's why I'm curious who this film will be and what this plot of this movie will be about because they can't just jump into another Infinity Stone. I mean, I guess they can because, well, let's think. Like, the ones we know about are the one in this movie, which is that purple one. Purple, yeah. Uh, the yellow one we saw in The Last Avengers, which is now with Vision. In Vision, right. Uh, then we've got the Tesseract, which is from the first Thor, which is that blue yep. uh, cube. So that's three. So that's three. The second Thor had the red one. The red one, yeah. Which 
ether, uh, ether, ether yeah. right? Uh, which you brought up an interesting point that I had forgotten about this. At the end of that movie, apparently they took the ether to, to the collector, the collector, Benicio del Toro. Yeah, which is where Gamora and everybody they were trying to sell. The other infinity stone. So here's another question too that just popped into my head is when they destroyed that, what happened to that one? Right. I presumably it's still there because chronologically, unless the movies, the movie universe doesn't follow it, but the, the red infinity stone was already there. And then the purple came and would have been number two had it stayed there. Right. So anyway, I'm getting off track. So that's four, four infinity stones that we know of so far. One might be out in the world somewhere that we're not thinking of. I can't. Okay. But I don't know. We'll, we'll figure that out and we'll cover it in Guardians of the Galaxy. So we're missing two. Two. Yeah, we're missing two right now. So they have to introduce those two somewhere. But I think maybe one of those two has already been introduced and we're forgetting about it. Maybe. Oh, you think? I don't know. Well, I'll, I will make sure. And, and then, if you guys know, they can comment. Yeah, tell us. Twitter, Facebook, email, anything. We love hearing from listeners. And we're just trying to do this off the top of our head. But I know yeah. those four yeah. absolutely have been introduced. But I think there's like a green one and then something yeah. else. Orange, I think. Okay, yeah. I don't think that we've been introduced to them. But if we're wrong, please tell us. So anyway, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing, like, are they going to introduce one of those? We'll Stones, see. Uh, who's the bad guy going to be? Because I don't think it'll be Thanos. Because I, I they'll save he'll make that. An appearance, but yeah, I don't think he'll be the main bad guy. Right. Because he's going to supposedly be the main bad guy for the Infinity War. Right. He will. So, so anyway. All right. We have two things left. Hmm. Rate Guardians of the Galaxy 1. And the second thing is tell everyone what we're doing next, which is Guardians of the Galaxy 2. So the second thing's already done. Okay. <laughs> so let's give a rating. What do you say, Ruth? Well, see, I really like this movie, so it would be a seven or an eight. Okay. I thought you were going to go higher. I thought you might go like nine. I mean, I really like it. The The thing is that it's not, again, like I said, it's just an entertaining movie. There's no depth to it as far as making you feel a certain way or really connecting with a character. Yeah. So that's why I wouldn't give it as high of a there's, rating because that's got to some somehow depth. cut off where I'm, <laughs> yeah, where I'm, yeah. uh, rating films. There's some depth, like you care there about is, but Peter's mom dying, but sure, no, yeah, but nothing it's like not, other real serious movies, right? Exactly, it doesn't like, make you contemplate life, exactly. So that's why I'm saying because this film is just about action and enjoying yourself and kicking back and watching it. That's why I still think seven or eight, that's pretty high score for a film like that. And most people probably won't agree with me, but I like to be entertained and just kind of have, for lack of a better phrase, mindless entertainment every now and then. No, I think people will. I mean, these movies have done fantastic. They've been reviewed really well. I, I think eight is very much in line with seven or eight. Yeah, I think I'd probably say eight, since you always make me pick a number. Pick a number. Um, <laughs> I would say eight. Yeah, I kind of, I think what does it, I'll probably go with an eight and, as well. And because the humor it's just so carries the movie. And it's, you get the action, you get the laughs. Um, it's an interesting story. 
some minor plot holes. I mean, the ones I've described are are pretty minor compared to some of the other movies I've seen that have truly yeah, major, you weren't, you like, weren't angered, like game changing plot holes. Like these are just, yeah. you know, potential missteps that I mean, anyone could make those mistakes or whatever. So, I, yeah, I'll say an eight. It's it's a really fun movie. Um, I'm surprised you didn't bring up another favorite line. What's or that? well, I I would think it's one of your favorites because you just laugh hysterically every time. But it's when they're escaping the prison and he, he they're he's talking about Drax and he's like you're a walking thesaurus. He's like don't call me a thesaurus and and he says their people are are literal. They don't understand metaphors. metaphors. Will go over their head. Yeah, and he says nothing would go over my head. My reflexes are too fast. I would catch I it. I would catch it. Yeah. <laughs> I know you laugh always so hard at that part. I love it because it's, it's, it's <laughs> like the character is unintentionally making dad jokes and I, right. I love it. You love dad jokes. I do. You love puns. Uh huh. Any, if you guys know any good puns, Kevin would love to hear them. Yeah. Tweet at, <laughs> tweet at me. We talk about MOVI. Just tweet me your favorite pun. Um, hopefully someone does it. We're, I know you love, I'll send them to you sometimes if I find them on the internet. Yeah. We're still a new podcast. I've, I've said, email us, Facebook us, Twitter us. No one's done it yet. It's okay. I know. Not once. Hopefully someone does it. Well, maybe they will. And if not, maybe I'll, I'll send it to you, honey. Okay. <laughs> My beautiful wife I'll, is going to send I'll, me funny I'll jokes. I'll find you some puns. Happy birthday, Kevin. Here's some puns. <laughs> Yeah, that would make you happy, I know. It would. Because those, like, how did you phrase it? You were like, well, when you're a dad, you can't tell dirty jokes, can't tell jokes with foul language, you can't do anything too complicated because they won't understand. So what are you left with? Puns. Puns. <laughs> yeah. Just the the dumbest, <laughs> the the worst jokes that are, like, funny because they're so not funny. And I love them. They are funny. They are funny. I love them. They can be. Okay. So my wife is going to send me some good jokes and you guys send me some good jokes. (laughs) All right. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday. Guardians of the Galaxy gets an eight from Ruth and Kevin. As far as fun, entertaining movies go, this is one of the best. Do us a favor and connect with us on social media at facebook.com slash we talk about movies or Twitter at we talk about MOVI. And as always, check out our website, we talk about movies.com. Part two of this doubleheader is Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume Two. The reviews are in, and the critics like this one almost as much as the first. One critic says it's the most important Marvel movie in years. Another says director James Gunn followed a great film with an even greater sequel. Is it really that good? Don't miss the next episode where we talk about what could be the biggest summer movie of 2017, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2.